Up next, a respected surgeon is attacked leaving work. There's a gentleman laying in here, he's not really responding. The motive is unclear. If it was a robbery, the person only wanted the car. This would certainly be an overkill. A background check reveals an enemy in the victim's past. He was out to get him. The question is, can police tie him to the crime? Ever since he could remember, Brian Stidham wanted to be a doctor, and he wanted to work with children. So it was no surprise that after graduating from Harvard Medical School, he did his residency in pediatric ophthalmology. When he treated a child, he would get down on their level. He would not only treat the child, he treated the entire family. Eventually, Dr. Stidham got married, had two children, and joined a thriving medical practice in Tucson, Arizona, where he was one of the few pediatric specialists in the area. One night after a long day at the office, he gave a short medical lecture to a group of med students in his office, where they all had pizza and drinks. Afterwards, he set the alarm at 7.26 and headed home. Three hours later, someone called 911 from the parking lot of Dr. Stidham's office. 911, where is your emergency? Uh, there's a gentleman here laying in the middle of the parking lot. There's some paper strewn about. I can see his glasses. He's not really responding. By the time paramedics arrived, Dr. Stidham had been dead for several hours. There were tear marks or slicing, cutting marks through his scrubs. And uh, there was a gaping wound that I could see. Uh, just above his scrub line. Uh, it was obvious to me that he had been stabbed. He still had his wallet, which had money in it, you know, in his pants pocket. So that told law enforcement right away that this certainly wasn't a typical robbery. Dr. Stidham's car was missing from its usual parking spot. But a piece of food told investigators what might have happened. Clear on the other side of the complex was a pizza crust that had been bitten into, and DNA revealed that the person who'd bitten into that pizza crust was Dr. Stidham. Police believe Dr. Stidham walked to his car, probably put his food on the roof to open the door, and was attacked. Dr. Stidham staggered away bleeding, then lost consciousness. And then when his attacker got in the car and drove away, the pizza crust just flew off and landed in the parking lot. Unfortunately, police could find no eyewitnesses and there were no security cameras. Police tried to contact Dr. Stidham's wife, but she wouldn't answer her phone. So they went to the Stidham's house. No one came to the door, so they broke in and found that the widow, Daphne Stidham, was sound asleep. When they woke her up, the first thing she said was, has my husband been shot? Which was odd why she would say that in particular. Police also noticed family financial documents laid out in plain view on a bedroom table. The bedroom phone had been unplugged, and in addition, when they spoke with Mrs. Stidham, she indicated that she'd taken some sleeping pills that evening. And there was no indication Mrs. Stedham had been anywhere all night except at home with their two young children. 
investigators suspected her unusual comment was probably caused by the police break-in and confusion. It was their opinion that, that we might want to look elsewhere other than her. And, and I trust their opinion. But where to look was the big question. Investigators had an unusual crime scene. A prominent surgeon stabbed to death in his office parking lot. His car was stolen. But was carjacking the motive, or was it murder? Carjackings, typically the owner is very mildly hurt or very superficially. Rarely do you have somebody that is killed. The autopsy revealed this was an extraordinarily brutal murder. The 15 stab wounds that Dr. Stidham suffered would normally lead me to think that this was an attack by someone who knew him, that this was a violent, emotionally-based attack by someone who knew the doctor. To investigators, the motive was clear. I believe the carjacking was staged in this particular case is the killing of the victim, and the carjacking is just simply staged in order to make it look like that's what this was all about. But investigators still needed to find Dr. Stidham's car. On a hunch, they called his cell phone. We were missing the cell phone. So our hope was, was that the cell phone was with the killer who was with the car. If it were on it would be possible to send a signal to that phone, what they call pinging, and narrow down its location by seeing which cell towers bounced the signal. When they did, they got a hit on Dr. Stedham's phone six miles away and found the phone inside Dr. Stedham's car in the lot of an apartment complex. There is uh, blood certainly on the outside of the vehicle, but as you open the door, there's individual blood stains and spatter and cast off that is in the door well itself that could not have gotten there with the door shut. It looked as if Dr. Stidham had been stabbed just as he opened his car door. There was a trail of blood from the parking spot to where they found his body, about 18 feet away. Evidence of what some investigators call a blitz attack. A blitz attack is an attack that is uh, sudden and by surprise. It could have been anywhere from, uh, at a minimum, probably 30 seconds uh, up to, uh, you know, a minute or so. Unfortunately, the car didn't give investigators much to work with. We found no usable fingerprints on the exterior or interior of the vehicle. There were some hairs found, there were some fibers found. Uh, none of them really led us to, to anybody outside the Stidham family. Meanwhile, a background check on Dr. Stidham unearthed a bombshell. When he came to Tucson, Dr. Stidham joined an established medical practice. But what he didn't know at the time was that the senior partner of the practice was under investigation. It was very upsetting to the staff. We were all working, we had patients, and the DEA walked in, and we were told that they were going to search the office. 
Authorities found evidence that Dr. Bradley Schwartz, the man who recruited Dr. Stidham to come to Tucson, was involved in drug fraud. What was illegal about that was these were not drugs that were prescribed to these people for any kind of medical condition. Dr. Stidham wasn't implicated in this activity. But Dr. Bradley Schwartz was indicted on 77 counts of prescription drug fraud. His medical license was suspended. He lost his privilege to practice in Arizona until he completed certain therapy programs through the medical board as well. When Dr. Schwartz was indicted, Dr. Stidham left the practice and went out on his own. Stidham took the patient base with him thereby leaving Schwartz with nothing once he was able to start practicing again. At the time of Dr. Stidham's murder, Dr. Schwartz had completed drug rehabilitation, regained his medical license, and resumed work. I had disregarded him as a suspect very early on because it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. The problems that Stidham and Schwartz had were years in the past. Dr. Schwartz also had a solid alibi for the night Dr. Stidham was killed. He was eating dinner in a public restaurant. His whereabouts were accounted for the entire night. And Dr. Stidham's staff couldn't identify any patient families who were angry with him. Investigators were now stumped. If this wasn't a robbery and wasn't revenge and wasn't a carjacking, what was it? Investigators searching for Dr. Stidham's killer were baffled. The victim was a young Harvard-trained surgeon in the prime of his life who had no known enemies. He was very gentle, very compassionate, very caring. I had a lot of respect for him. I, I enjoyed working with him. He was a good friend, not just a boss. When questioned by police... Dr. Stidham's wife continued to identify her husband's ex-partner as someone they should look at. She, in fact, did tell them that there was, you know, their husband was very well loved and that there was only one person that he uh, had as an enemy, and that was his ex-partner, Dr. Schwartz. But Dr. Schwartz had an airtight alibi. He was in a public restaurant with his girlfriend at the time of the murder, with dozens of witnesses. There was no way Dr. Schwartz could have been the killer himself. No way. On a hunch, investigators interviewed Dr. Schwartz's girlfriend, Lisa, about her dinner that night. Right away, investigators knew something was odd. They'd met online, as I recall. And even though they'd only been out two or three times, Dr. Schwartz had already asked Lisa to marry him. Lisa also said that during dinner, a man named Bruce called Dr. Schwartz. Yes. Then later joined them. What the girlfriend finds odd, Bruce joins them but doesn't have dinner. He picks off of their plates. And he's supposed to know Schwartz from some addiction counseling meeting. And for someone who'd been in drug rehab, surprisingly, he ordered a beer. She found that odd. The time was 8.30, an hour after Dr. Stidham was killed. 
Schwartz asked Bruce, so how'd those scrubs work out? Bruce's answer to him was, well, they worked out fine. When she asked, well, why were you wearing scrubs? Bruce told her that he had used them for horseback riding, which she found to be rather ridiculous because she's very, very familiar with horses. When police analyzed Dr. Schwartz's cell phone records, they discovered that someone called Dr. Schwartz from a convenience store payphone a half hour before the murder. That convenience store is located only 400 feet from the office complex where Dr. Stidham's office was. The convenience store employee said the man at the phone was wearing surgical scrubs. He told her that he was supposed to be in a meeting and that they were serving pizza at this meeting, and he didn't feel like pizza. That was telling. Since Dr. Stidham was serving pizza at that moment to the medical residents as he was lecturing across the street. A half hour after the murder, Dr. Schwartz got a call from a payphone located just across the street from where Dr. Stidham's car was dumped. So we've got all of these things happening. So what's most important at this point is we have to identify who this other guy is. Investigators asked Dr. Schwartz's office staff if he had a patient named Bruce. They said he did. His name was Ronald Bruce Bigger. He came to Dr. Schwartz's office after getting in some sort of fight and had an eye injury that needed taken care of. Bruce Bigger was no stranger to law enforcement. He'd served prison time for drug offenses, fraud, and was currently on parole on a forgery conviction. What we know about Ronald Bruce Bigger, Bruce, is that he was unemployed, didn't have a car, didn't have a phone, didn't have a residence, didn't have anything. He did have a drug habit. And on the day after Dr. Stidham's murder, he had a lot of money. Bruce was seen with a huge wad of hundreds and fifties as big as a softball and told folks it was about $10,000. Surveillance cameras show Dr. Schwartz cashing a check that same day for cash for $10,000. With that information in hand, police arrested Bruce Bigger on the outskirts of Tucson. A few hours later... Dr. Schwartz was also in custody, but prosecutors still had a major problem. No murder weapon, no eyewitnesses, nothing. How do you convince a jury that's raised on forensic evidence that they see on TV to convict somebody when you've got nothing to show them? Tucson was a dream destination for Dr. Brian Stidham. He moved there after he was recruited by another ophthalmologist, Dr. Bradley Schwartz. But the two didn't really get along. Dr. Schwartz was addicted to prescription drugs and behaving erratically. Having affairs with various women, which was one of the things that ultimately led to his divorce. He was having sex with patients or mothers of patients in the office. When Dr. Schwartz lost his medical privileges and entered drug rehabilitation, Dr. Stidham decided to leave the practice and go out on his own. Later, when Dr. Schwartz got back on his feet, 
and his medical license was reinstated, Schwartz had to jumpstart his surgical practice alone and, according to friends, resented it. Bottom line is he felt Stidham didn't stand by him in his time of need. In frustration, Dr. Schwartz told various girlfriends he thought about harming his ex-partner. These women said Schwartz wanted to put acid in Stidham's eyes, crush Stidham's hands, or ruin his reputation like putting child pornography on Stidham's computer. Although investigators had plenty of circumstantial evidence against Dr. Schwartz and Bruce Beggar in the murder, they wanted more. So investigators went back inside Dr. Stidham's car, looking once again for anything that could help the case. In this particular case, dozens of swabs were analyzed by several labs. Uh, a lot of those did not have any DNA in them. And the DNA they did find belonged to the victim. But after testing about 60 swabs, the lab found one, swab LX39, taken from the air conditioning knob that had more than two peaks. That is immediately indicative of the fact that there is more than one donor who contributed the DNA found in this sample. The large peak on LX39 was the major donor. It was DNA from Dr. Stidham. The minor peak came from microscopic skin cells, the sample so small it was barely measurable. But a new DNA test generated a partial profile. There's a very good chance that the DNA from the minor donor came from Ronald Bruce Bigger. Scientists believe Bruce Bigger may have wiped his forehead, then turned on the air conditioner, leaving microscopic skin cells behind. Prosecutors believe this murder was elaborately planned. Wearing surgical scrubs, Bruce Bigger called Dr. Schwartz at the restaurant around 7 p.m., letting him know he was ready. At 7.30, Dr. Stidham walked to his car. Bigger rushed him with a knife, stabbing him repeatedly. Investigators believe Bigger was wearing gloves, but at some point wiped some sweat from his face, then turned on the air conditioner, leaving his DNA behind. After Bigger dumped the doctor's car, he called Dr. Schwartz from across the street, which signaled his location again. He later joined Dr. Schwartz and his girlfriend at dinner, where they tried to communicate with one another without suspicion. This, too, was unsuccessful. He left one piece of himself behind. Now we could tie him to the car and to the murder. Bruce Bigger was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Dr. Bradley Schwartz was convicted of conspiracy to murder and will serve a minimum of 25 years. Bruce Bigger killed Dr. Stidham because he wanted money. And Dr. Schwartz had money and wanted Dr. Stidham murdered. And when they got together, that was the catalyst. Your goal always uh, is to 
strive to be uh, as objective as possible uh, in your analysis. Uh, sometimes that uh, helps free a person. I'm just as proud of that as I am the time when it helps to uh, convict an individual. What a waste. What an utter waste of a life. Uh, actually, utter waste of two lives. Both of them were, were brilliant surgeons.